Okay, we are about to be at the start time, so I will stop talking to myself, which coincidentally is the name of my podcast that I recently launched with Tracy. <laughs> totally remembered. So if anybody wants to um, listen to Tracy and I talk to ourselves slash each other, find us on all the podcasting places, your apples and whatnots, or go to talkingtomyselfpod.com. Um, it's a self-coaching podcast. So what Tracy and I do is we discuss our multiple, multiple issues <laughs> that we have faced and or are facing. And we talk about some prompts in self-coaching that helped us get over our stuff or is currently helping us get over our stuff. Um, our last podcast was on procrastination and both of us were like, yeah, we both suck at this. <laughs> but <laughs> let's podcast anyway. So anyway. <sighs> oh, thanks, Mohan. I, I'm the comic relief, Neha. Self-proclaimed hey, comic. Relief. No thanks, Mohan. Come on, I'm about to give you a webinar. First <laughs> five minutes that you love. Come on. <laughs> the first five minutes from now. That wasn't the webinar. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, well, the podcast. Thanks, thanks, Sandia, for the hair. It's gonna be even better. Okay, so my podcast is talkingtomyselfpod.com. So you can find it there. The first episode still needs editing uh, because I did it raw. Anyway, the next two are useful, I think. Anyway, okay, now I wasted a minute of the actual webinar. So there's a few new faces, or not faces, well, faces to me, but names on the chat that are here. So I just wanted to say a brief hello and welcome. Uh, we are Kotaria. Well, we are, we are Kotaria. We are Kotaria. I'm Magda, CEO of Kotaria, and today's speaker slash expert on all things language is Neha. Hello, Neha. Hi. Neha just joined our marketing team. So from now on, when you see mistakes on the website, you can tell her, not me. <laughs> and if you love it, you can also tell me. <laughs> I thought that was supposed to work. Yes, but you can tell her. It's her responsibility now. Um, I'm, I'm, what was I going to say? Okay, so I was going to say, since many of you are new today, <laughs> a lot of positivity, yes. <laughs> since many of you are new today, Kocharya webinars happen every single week and they're different every single week. I'm usually the constant because <laughs> I feel like I need to contribute somehow. Anyway, so on the first Wednesday of the month, which is today, we have our Being a Coach series or the Business of Coaching series. Still need a better name, I think. But this session is all about all the non-coaching competency focused stuff that a coach um, needs to know or should know, etc. So it doesn't mean we don't tie it back to coaching competencies because we do sometimes. And frankly, coaching competencies are leadership competencies and they're also life competencies in many ways. So you can't really, you know, disjoin them. But this webinar is all about all the kind of practical stuff. So today we're going to talk about language, for example. Um, on the second Wednesday of the month, we have our Future of Coaching series, which is Ram's session. And that usually is very coachy and very interesting and challenging and just is there to make you think about coaching a little differently or deeper. On the third Wednesday, we have our colloquium series, which we try to focus on coaching 
in the wild <laughs> applications of coaching. So we have uh, leaders from different companies that come in and we interview them about how coaching is being utilized in their companies. We do foundational topics in coaching. So it's, you know, it's some of the stuff that you may have, you may learn in class, uh, but with some specific examples and it's more foundational stuff than uh, necessarily ROMS webinar. And then on the fourth Wednesday, we have our masters in coaching series, which is ran by Cindy. And in that series, she always invites another master coach our alumni or maybe other alumni doesn't matter but someone who's a master coach and they discuss whatever that coach's area of expertise and focus is so come to all these webinars we would love to have you and i am done i'm going to hand over it to neha who will tell us about the language of coaching thank you magda that was so lovely uh, and, and, you know, Mohan's probably right. You know, the first five minutes are just amazing. You guys, you know, <laughs> Magda's awesome. But yes, so it's so great to see everyone joining from all over the world. I'm so surprised that we have such an international audience. Magda did give me a heads up, but I wasn't aware that we would have people just from South Africa, from Germany, from all over the place. Uh, this is so exciting. Um, so I wanna ask you guys, like, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling? I'm curious to know. A little jittery? Okay, you're feeling a little jittery. Feeling good in Kuala Lumpur, feeling good, tired, curious, super. Life is beautiful. I love it. Such great responses. Accomplished. Feeling like you have things to hear. Oh, I love this. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I'm, I'm so thrilled by the positivity here and um, I'm excited to dive in. So, um, I'll tell you how I'm feeling as well. I've been a little bit nervous, if I'm honest with you, about this because I've never done anything like this before. Um, talking to people is great, but usually uh, I, I would think I have prepared it in a way that there wouldn't be much communication back, but seeing all of you here with all your positive energy, I am excited. I am so excited now. Um, and we have this beautiful opportunity to connect and um, I want to share my thoughts on the language of coaching. So as Magda uh, said, I'm the marketing director at Kocharya and I've been a professional copywriter and editor for the past decade. And um, language is something that just makes me so curious and it intrigues me and even though i use it all the time we all use it all the time it's something that really really um just makes me light up as you can probably see <laughs> and uh, particularly this is usually in the reference frame of writing since i have been a copywriter and editor for so long um i am also a fitness coach I've been a fitness coach for the past four years, and um, I was I was going through my own personal transformation um, prior to becoming a fitness coach. So I was going through my own transformation on my health and fitness journey, and I I realized that, you know, in particularly in the fitness coaching industry, there's a lot of emphasis on like this diet plan and that exercise plan and you know, maybe there's this one magical trick or pill that will get me where I want to go. <laughs> uh, 
And, um, you know, the reality of the situation is that, yes, you know, you do need a diet plan or an exercise plan or some intention and some education on that. But I think 90% of the coaching that I've done has happened here and up here. <laughs> so I want to ask you guys a question now. Oh, you can hear my cat in the background. She's, she's meowing. I hope that's okay. I think that will be enjoyable, I think, for most of you, actually. <laughs> but for a second and say that uh, in these webinars, there's usually a creature if I'm in one. So the <laughs> fact that somebody else is a creature is amazing. Well, there you go. That's Baba. Her name is Baba. Um, she's, she's my little eight-year-old baby. But anyway, don't get me started on that, okay? Because then this webinar is just going to go on forever. Anyway, <laughs> so um, yes, I want to ask all of you a question. It's a question that someone asked me recently um, and, and I just loved it. So the question is pretty simple. What excites you? What excites you? Have a think about it while I have a sip of water and let's see what you all come up with. A heartfelt conversation. Okay, I'm just reading, helping others. Paddle boarding, I love it. Life, ice cream. Magda, I'm with you on that. A job, good job done excites me. If the stock price goes up, that excites me. Being with my family. The idea of a whole new day tomorrow. Variety and innovation. Creating wealth, good food. Ah, such wonderful responses. When I'm talking, Ankit, okay, that's cool. A plan for a trek in the Himalayas. Okay, this is great, guys. And you know what is so beautiful about this question? It's, it's such a simple question, but by simply retrieving the exciting things, the, the things that you find exciting, you're probably feeling a little excited, right? I'm excited. <laughs> so. Uh, what excites me, the way I answered that question, and the truth is what excites me is ideas, encountering new ideas, building the ideas that I already have, um, and you know, picking up an idea from one experience and applying it to another discipline or another situation. That excites me. And of course, um, sharing ideas with other people so we can you know, build on them together and we can connect the dots together. So really, I don't want to position myself as an expert in anything. What I'm here to do today is to just share some ideas with you. And I hope that we'll build on them together. And I hope that you will take something away that you will build on in your own time, or maybe with me later on. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> so language. To begin talking about the idea of language, I want to first bring up thoughts and feelings, because that's where it really begins, isn't it? We don't think in just words, right? We, we think in images, we have feelings, we have emotions, we feel in sensations and maybe we recall experiences, there are memories, there are, there are all kinds of different things that are going on internally. But, uh, but you know, we all know the utility of putting those feelings and experiences into words. Because, I mean, okay, Baba. Anyway, 
If you could instantly, just telepathically, listen to every single thought that I'm having, you would think I'm insane, <laughs> right? And I'm sure it's true the other way around as well. If I could listen to every single thought you were having, I might also think you're insane. Or um, at least we would be like, you know, yes, we're both insane. We're insane together. So language helps us package all this stuff that's going on, the emotions and thoughts and feelings and all these things and deliver it to others. So it's a way for us to also receive that, get a delivery and unpack it and understand the other person's thoughts and emotions. So of course, there's a great utility of language when it comes to communication with others. You know, when you're talking to other people, you're delivering your thoughts and feelings and emotions in this nice little package. And then when you're listening, also you're receiving um, the same package and then you're unpacking it and you're understanding what the other person is saying. Language is also fundamental to getting to know yourself and how you see yourself. So language helps you write your own story. It helps you rework your narrative. It helps you give meaning to things. And it's a way for us to refine our beliefs and it's a way for us to learn new things. Um, you know, so speaking of learning, language is how we learn things, right? Um, a lot of learning happens through, of course, experiences and observations and language helps us process what happened. And if you use it often enough, if you write things down often enough, you'll often find parallels and different pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that you can put together and create ideas. I may, um, right. So words are also a way for us to build a database of knowledge. As I mentioned, you observe something, you put it down, and then you observe something else and you put it down. And that is basically every single book you've read. Every single book you've read is people putting down their thoughts and emotions and feelings and experiences and stories. Uh, every single course you've attended, the building block is language. And I think I have a theory that that is why there is this magical quality about bookstores and libraries. And you can just feel like there's, there are all these ideas and there's just all this knowledge that's just waiting to be learned and waiting to be shared with someone. So the idea is, idea number one is language is one of the most powerful tools available to the human species. And it's a connection between yourself and others. It's a way to also connect with yourself. It's about transmission of ideas. And this transmission could be to a client it could be to your friend, or it could be to a future generation. So let's move on to coaching. <laughs> I want to ask you a question. So there are, there are verbs, right? We all know verbs, walking, eating, drinking, sleeping, these are some great verbs. So I would like you to tell me what are some coaching verbs in your opinion? Coaching verbs. 
listening, sensing, curiosity, not a verb, <laughs> acknowledging, listening, accepting, connecting, inviting, reflecting, thinking, asking, helping, attention, mirroring, empathizing, beautiful. Beautiful, I love these. <sighs> Igniting, impacting, partnering. I want you to notice how many of these verbs are about language. Talking, listening, understanding, paraphrasing, reflecting, evoking. So many of these verbs, coaching verbs have to do with language. So language is a skill that's highly, highly relevant to all coaches. So whether you're trying to understand a block or a problem or, uh, or you're delivering a question that helps them look at themselves and reflect as, as someone said, um, or, or you're even trying to tell people what you do. You know, you're trying to tell someone that you're a coach, you're using language. So it's, it's really something that is quite fundamental to the coaching process. And all the core competencies, all of you are familiar with the core competencies. So I'm not gonna get into that in detail. And I'm not an expert on core competencies. And I think you guys are probably way more experts than I am at, at that. So core competencies are directly related to language. And even putting down those core competencies, if I can get really meta about it for a second, even the writing down of those core competencies is related to language. They're trying, ICF is trying to use his language to tell you what the core competencies are. So, so language as it pertains to coaching, there is, I wish it was easy to just boil language down to a script. It I wish it was that easy because then we could just have coaches, we could have AI coaches all over the world. I'm sure there are some developments happening there. There's a reason that it isn't happening quite to the extent of the effectiveness of a human coach, right? So one of the biggest problems that that a lot of professions encounter, especially like even people like doctors, coaches as well, we encounter this problem of personalizing your coaching. Personalizing your coaching to the actual client. So we have a framework, but we, we can't really apply the same exact script to every single client, right? So there has to be some customization of the way you deliver your coaching and the methods you use in order to coach someone. And the thing is that all the clues you need in order to personalize, personalize your coaching to your client are constantly emerging through the way your clients talk about themselves. So I wanna tell you a story, okay? So a few years ago, I was working at a health and fitness related startup. That's where I started my journey as a coach. Um, and I was privileged to be on the core team uh, and we were in the process of developing our coaching methodology. And um, 
there was this need to come up with a framework for talking to our clients. You know, there has to be like standardization. There has to be some standard process, right? So we were coming up, we were brainstorming the questions we can ask and putting together a document for the new coaches who would come in and how we would train them. And, uh, and so, you know, we started putting down like, what are some questions you can ask a client? <clears throat> and of course we came up with a, you know, with a whole bunch of questions, question bank, like, you know, what are the nutrition habits? What is their exercise frequency? What are their sleep habits? And what is their home and work environment like? And are there any stressors in their lives? And, you know, things like that. These are fundamental questions to understand what the person is and, and kind of meet them where they are. But the, the more important part of that conversation came later. When, when we held up a mirror to them and then we asked them, so what do you think are the areas in which you're not acting in alignment with your goals? Or, or to put it more simply, like what's the biggest thing that's holding you back right now? And that's where the magic really happens. That's when things start to surface and that's where the coaching really begins. And for this, there is no script. You know, because you actually have to listen to the answers. Every person has their unique reason why they're feeling stuck or why they're feeling like they need the help of a fitness coach, specifically in, in my case. And um, that's, that's where their story emerges. That's where their narrative emerges. You know, we all have a narrative of what we are like, what we do, how we are, how we feel, what happened to us, what we got from it, and this was a bad thing, and this was a good thing. And, and when we ask this question, what's the biggest thing that's holding you back? That's when we have to shut up and listen. <laughs> so our work is to listen. What are the stories they're telling themselves? How does the person see the problem? Uh, for example, one thing that comes up really often, uh, you know, if I, if I ask you right now, um, maybe you can even um, do this with me. Uh, if, if we talk specifically about your health and if it's something that you want to work on, what are some things that are holding you back, be it pertaining to, your, to what you eat, be it pertaining to your activity level, and things like that. So I'd love to hear from all of you what, um, what do you think is holding you back? Laziness, lack of motivation, strength. Okay, that's, that's a different one. Inertia, lockdown, commitment. That's an interesting one. Love of food. <laughs> distractions, procrastination. Great, and these are all great answers. Social media, can you explain that a little bit? Would you like to just write out a sentence and tell me? Support, interesting. Lack of support perhaps. Okay, so something that I often hear you know, since we're usually we're communicating in person or over the phone, some often what I hear is I'm on track throughout the week, but on the weekend, I end up cheating. <laughs> I end up cheating on my diet. 
And cheating is this word that I take so much issue with as a coach because that language itself suggests that you're doing something wrong, something immoral, and something maybe even a little mischievous, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's definitely uh, an interesting one that recurs over and over again. And, you know, we need to listen for the words that are being used and that they're using to describe themselves and their actions. So cheating is one that comes up a lot, but there are many. <laughs> so this brings me to listening. We, we're just talking about listening to the language used by our clients. And, you know, language allows us to be specific. It can, it can really help us to communicate things, but sometimes it can also feel a little constraining. And um, when, does it, when does it help us? And when is it expansive? And when is it contrived and restrictive? So personally, in my experience, things get constrictive when we overscript, when we overprepare, and we try to predict how the conversation is going to go, right? So this is where listening comes in. So uh, I'll take I'll take the example of of uh, setting goals with my clients. You know, so the interesting thing is when a when a client goes to a fitness coach, um, they'll they'll already have a goal in mind. It's a very clear goal. In fact, it'll be a very very specific goal. It'll be like I want to lose ten kgs. I want to have toned arms. I want to fit into my old dress from high school or from college, whatever that may be. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with these goals per se, you know, but, but you might notice that there is a certain superficial quality to them. And these are the goals that they've charted out after looking in the mirror, you know, so they look in the mirror and they see their reflection and they're like, this is what I want. I want this and I want this. So we want to try and differentiate between the goal that they set using the outer reflection and the goals that they set using inner reflection. So my job as a coach at that point is to elicit self-reflection. So if, uh, for example, I'll take, uh, I'll take the I want toned arms, okay? <laughs> um, I, want, I want toned arms, my client says. So... I'll respond, so what would be different when you have toned arms? And they might say something like, I want to be able to wear sleeveless clothes. And I'll ask them, so what will be different when you wear sleeveless clothes with toned arms versus wearing sleeveless clothes now? There's nothing stopping them from wearing sleeveless clothes now, right? And eventually we'll get to a point. Usually this happens sooner rather than later, but yes, eventually we'll get to a point where they say, I'll feel more confident wearing sleeveless clothes when I have toned arms. So we've brought it down to a feeling. So we can package things, we can package our emotions and thoughts and feelings into words and communicate them to others. And when we're listening, we also have to unpack what they're saying and bring it down to a feeling when we're coaching. So when you're listening, you'll be able to help them reverse engineer the language that they use. And yes, the clues are always hidden in the language. 
So, how do you listen? <laughs> you know, I, I love psychology. You know, as a coach, I'm sure we all love psychology, right? And there's something, there's something that can get a little confusing when it comes to different concepts. So when you take the concept of listening, you'll have Carl Rogers will say something and then, you know, you'll be like, okay, I can try and apply that. But then you'll have so many other people with so many different types of listening, you know? So maybe what I decided to do is to just, maybe I'll create my own categories of listening. Okay, So I just want to share them with you. Um, the first, the first type of listening is where, where you're ignoring completely ignoring. And some of you are probably doing that right now. <laughs> uh, where you're distracted by something else, perhaps you, you've got a call or something or the other has happened. Um, the second one is where you're kind of pretending that you're listening. So you're, you're saying, yeah, yeah, okay, I see. This happens a lot in meetings, doesn't it? <laughs> I think we're all familiar with that situation now. Um, but the thing is, people can tell that you're distracted. People can always tell. And then there is selective listening where they're talking, but we're only listening to the parts that we like and that we want to, that we want to have in our brain, that we want to listen to. And there are some parts we don't want to listen to. And then we go back to ignoring and pretending. <laughs> and um, then there's attentive listening, of course. Uh, attentive is a word also that's described in many uh, listening theories. Um, but to me, attending is attentive listening is listening to see whether you agree or disagree. And actually, I know there's a lot going on in the chat, but I can't keep up right now. I will definitely go back to it later. But I'll tell you something. A lot of times we are doing attentive listening at these webinars, aren't we? We're determining whether we agree or disagree. <laughs> right? And that's great. I think that is fantastic. That's how we build on ideas. That's how we you know, figure this whole life thing out together. But as a coach, there's a fifth type of listening, which is the empathic listening and the intuitive listening, where you hold up the mirror and you ask them, so how do you feel about that, right? So how are you feeling about that? So when you're listening neutrally and without judgment, and, and with the unconditional positive regard and all those great qualities that you've already been trained in or you're probably going through the training of, then, then that's where the magic happens. The problem is, the problem that takes place in listening often is that we have our own inner voices and our own judgment constantly coming up, right? So you know, it, it could be positive judgment, it could be a negative judgment, but oftentimes judgment is, can be quite negative and that can hinder our coaching, right? So how do we listen better? How do we become better listeners? How do we practice this empathic and intuitive listening? Of course, you can do that by just practicing coaching. You can practice you know, peer coaching, you can, you can do all those kinds of things. And those are beautiful practices. But I think there is, there is also another tool in our toolkit to help us become more empathic listeners, where we make it 
about the client and not about ourselves, where we try and reduce the inner voice and the mental chatter that goes on, that constantly comes up, the judgment and the, all those voices. So it's about going a level deeper. And the most important relationship is the one you have with yourself, right? So I said earlier in the session that if you were able to listen to me telepathically and read my every single thought, you would think I'm insane, right? So the thing is, we always have that inner dialogue going on in our heads, don't we? Like we always are talking to ourselves, right? Like maybe you came in and you were like, oh, look, that's, that's a new face. Oh my God, there's so much pink there. <laughs> Whatever you thought, it was a thought. And then the next thought is, for me, I would ask you, who are you talking to, right? You're talking to yourself. There's an inner dialogue. And story time again, I was never more acutely aware of this inner dialogue until I went for a Vipassana retreat. I'm sure many of you are aware of these retreats uh, where you basically, you take a vow of silence for 10 days and you spend those 10 days learning a meditation technique called Vipassana. But um, the, the idea is that you take a vow of silence there's no interaction with others. You do hear instructions, you hear meditation instructions, but it's not somebody talking to you. It's a recording that's playing and you, and you are alongside others, you're next to other people. But um, the vow you've taken is that you're not gonna talk or communicate with anyone and you're not even gonna make eye contact with anyone. So sounds challenging, right? It was, <laughs> it was really challenging. And uh, I go every year and it's, I haven't gone for a while because of, you know, the world <laughs> and the situation that the world is in. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's challenging. And people always ask me, like, doesn't that make you go crazy? And uh, the answer is, well, it's yes and no. Because that inner dialogue, that talking to ourselves, it doesn't just happen in silent retreats, does it? It's happening all the time. And we have all these different inputs coming in, you know, from our phone, from mostly from our phone, probably from the people around us, from the environment around us, from the books that we're reading, from the TV that's playing in the background, all these different things, we have inputs coming in. So maybe that inner voice gets challenged by a lot of other voices. But yes, when you're at a retreat like that, there is no other voice. It's just you and yourself. And it's hard and it, it's challenging. And in the beginning, it's like, why is, it, why is my mind wandering so much? And it's like, why, why is this so painful to just sit in one place? And all I'm doing is sitting. And why is this woman stirring her sugar in her tea so loudly? Oh, look, there's a peacock, you know? It just, it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> and then after a few days, after some time, I won't say a few days because it's different for everybody, you start to realize, wow, I'm kind of insane. <laughs> and, you, and you slow down. You're, you're kind of forced to slow down. And, and then something magical happens. And people start to become more present because you're doing the talking and the listening simultaneously. You're still doing that, but you begin to listen a little bit more. 
And that conversation that you have with yourself is kind of important. And that is the thing that will probably be the thing that hinders your listening skills when you're in session with a client. All the distractions really come from your own internal dialogue as you're trying to listen to them, right? So what we have to do is we have to practice being present, we have to practice being present there. I play the piano, okay? I play the piano and it's, it's one of the most joyful experiences that, that I can create for myself at a moment's notice if there's a piano around. Um, it's, it's fun, it's expressive, it's creative, it's expansive, and it's, it's just, it's a beautiful feeling. I feel so connected with music. I feel connected with the notes that I'm playing. I feel powerful that I'm creating something. Uh, and it's, it's just a joy, right? I've been doing this for a few years, so I have some practice, and then that helps me be a little bit more playful with it. However, Whenever someone asks me, hey, can you play me something? Or hey, can you send me a recording? You can guess what happens, right? Any guesses? Go blank. All the creativity disappears. Yes, I'm reading more from the chat. It's not fun when there's pressure. Butterflies in the tummy. Wow. Yep, that is exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. The minute I hit record, suddenly all that joy and all that love, it just kind of goes out the window. <laughs> and, you know, I was following this train of thought. I was trying to really figure out why is it that I'm more able to play and play so beautifully when I'm by myself, but the minute there is even the possibility of somebody listening to it, now I can just easily erase the recording, right? I don't know, something happens and it's gone. That creativity, that joy is gone. And what I realized in, you know, as I observed myself, I just sat back and I observed myself. What happens when I'm playing alone? And what happens when I'm recording it? How am I feeling? So of course, the thing that surfaced was that when I'm playing by myself, I'm in my body, I'm feeling things and I'm present. I'm fully present in that moment. And the minute I hit record, it becomes a performance. It becomes something that I'm trying to perfect. It, it you know, I go into my head and that's where, <laughs> that's where the problem begins. So I wrote a little post-it note to myself practice presence, not performance. And I stuck it on my piano. So that's another idea I wanted to share with you. <laughs> I want to take this idea of the conversation that you have with yourself one step further. So it's not just what you're hearing and saying in the moment that's important. There's also the stories that you tell yourself about your present and about your past. And it's important to try and figure out the language that you're using. It's one thing if it's all in your head, you know, we're constantly, you know, kind of repeating our stories in our head, but writing it down 
can be one of the most beautiful things that you do because you're actually going to be able to develop the ideas and actually create your narrative. Let's let's take grief for example. You know, we're we're all familiar with the five stages of grief, right? We have denial, um, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. There's a there's a beautiful um, video that I watched some time back um, by the psychologist. His name is David Kessler, and he says there is a sixth stage to grief, and that sixth stage is meaning. So. Meaning is not something that we can find right away. Just like the other stages, you know, the stages come and go. Some of them happen after a period of time has passed. And meaning is something that also comes later. So the meaning isn't actually in the event. It's not, I lost this, or I lost that, or I lost that person, I lost that job, I lost that relationship. Meaning comes after. Meaning is in... Meaning is what's in us. It's relative and it's personal. And it takes time to make sense of things. It takes time to give meaning to things. But one thing that I've personally found to be the most powerful thing to give things meaning is to write my heart out, is to simply sit down in front of a word processor or, in, or with a notebook and a pen, whatever your preference is, and, and write, you know. So I invite you to do this exercise as well, you know, because I personally feel that one of the most meaningful and most exciting journeys that we can go on is to, is to write our actual story, you know. In fact, I invite you to, whenever you have a little time, take some time by yourself and write down the story of your life or write down the story of a particular loss or even of a particular desire. Desire is something that I, that I think about as well, desire and attachment. You know, when does desire turn into attachment? To me, desire is about energy. You know, desire gives you energy to perform well at the job or to look good, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but then there is the attachment to outcome which kind of takes away that energy, right? So I like to reframe my desires and just call them preferences. And the minute I change that small bit of language and I go through life with preferences, not desires, I would like for this to happen, but it's okay if it doesn't, there are other things going on, right? That's, that's when I, I feel a lot of relief and that's where I feel like I have transformed the way I've thought through the power of language. So this is what I invite you to do. I invite you to write something down, you know, anything maybe that's bothering you, anything that is on your mind a lot, write it down, sit down and make sure you give yourself a minimum page count or a word count. I would say a minimum of two pages and, and just go for it. It's just you and your words. That's all it is. So I will end my idea sharing here. And I'm going to have a look at the comments. I hope you found some ideas in here that are worth thinking about that will make you think later on. Um, and that you can build on and maybe we can build on some ideas right now in the chat.
Okay, I need a list of questions to help me write. I'm not a natural writer. Well, it sounds like you just wrote something to me in the chat. There's nothing natural about writing, really. It's, it's all about feeling and thinking, right? It's, it's whatever is coming to your mind, put it down on paper. That's all you have to do. Just put it down. And it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be systematic. It doesn't have to be a story. It can just be your thoughts and feelings. Just start and just start writing. And nobody's gonna look at it except for you. If you want to, you can even write and let it go. Magda says, shameless self-promotion. At the end of my podcast, we always offer writing and self-coaching prompts. <laughs> That's also read that out loud. But thank you. <laughs> but if you don't mind me interjecting, I'm going to, because what you just talked about uh, is actually something that helped me with my kind of the beginning of my self-coaching. And that was morning pages. Morning pages. My yeah, favorite. I love morning pages. And I don't know if it's always supposed to be morning. People? Yeah. Anybody else use morning pages? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if there's other ways to do it, but the way that I understood morning pages to work is that is the first thing you're just going to take your notebook and just write for two pages. You just write. You're not, it's like, it's the first communication you're supposed to have. So you wake up and it's not like, hi, sailor, want to go for a walk? No, it's wake up and just write. And what I found was that it was really, really tough in the beginning. And I thought to myself the same thing as, as you, Jen, that, oh, I needed a prompt. Um, I, I can't do this. So for the first few times I would write, like, I don't know what to write. So I'm just going to write my thoughts of how frustrating it is that I don't know what to write because the whole point is you're just supposed to write, even if it is, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> and every time, even if I started with that, like, what am I doing? I always ended up with something. And what's even cooler too, is you're supposed to not look back at your morning pages. It's literally like what's done is done. You shouldn't be reading it again. Um, but it is interesting, like, if you do cheat a little bit and see, <laughs> just to see how you've changed. I don't know. I did it once. Anyway, morning pages. Yeah. Really Two things on that. Uh, firstly, I love the concept of morning pages as the first thing you do in the morning. It's kind of like dusting off a carpet, you know, and then just it's a nice and neat carpet after that. Um, but personally for me, I use it in the evening, I use it in the afternoon, I use it whenever I need to use it, you know? So I think we can take all these great concepts and really personalize them to ourselves and what works for us. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so so that's one thing. And, and I totally agree with you that it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a story or an article or a blog post or something that has to make sense to anybody else. And, and even to you, it doesn't have to make sense to you whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> Arshana does a morning journal as well. That's great. Okay, Patricia has another great idea. MS Word can record you talking. So if you're not comfortable writing, put headphones on and talk to MS Word or Google Docs. Don't worry about grammar. That's great. Actually, literally everything does that now. So your phone has that feature. Your computer has that feature. It just has a different prompt. So whether you're in WhatsApp or if you're just in a, your email program, 
always look for the little microphone and there's usually um, an option to either record the voice or there's a talk to text. I personally hate voice messages, so I always talk to text. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind, Manta. Thank you for the heads up. That was my subtle hint. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer says your joy of writing is contagious. That is so sweet. I hope you do write then. I hope it is actually contagious and I hope this does elicit you to write something. So you know what I do, Neha? I'm just going to jump in since, uh, is that okay? Sorry. Of course, absolutely. What I, what I tend to do, I tend to jump. <laughs> so <clears throat> I don't meditate in the traditional or traditional, the what I understand to be the traditional sense. But for me, when I go for a walk, uh, usually with Sailor, let's be honest, was always with me. When I go for a walk, that's when my mind clears. And when I'm just, you know, I'm on autopilot, like how I don't walk into trees more than I do is actually shocking <laughs> to me because I do walk into things and my mind clears. And, you know, I have, I can kind of, I come up with things. And sometimes what I do, depending on what comes up, I have that internal dialogue where I coach myself. Like I'm really big on self-coaching. I think it's the most amazing thing on the planet other than writing. So sometimes I just do that. I go through these prompts and I try to be, you know, future focused. And I try to have that internal dialogue you talked about in the beginning where I am, I'm literally talking to myself, sometimes out loud, again, not walking into trees and being called the, to the police, crazy lady talking to herself. Um, that's another amazing thing that hasn't happened yet. Anyway, so I, getting to the unconditional positive regard for myself as my own clients is kind of tough. I do tend to be a bit judgmental, but that's something I'm working on. And then the other thing I do is actually, I use that uh, talk to text bit. So many times, and you will start experiencing that the longer you work with me. I will, I'll be walking and I have this idea or whatever, and I will just start, I'll, I'll write the email and I will talk it out. And just, I have so much more clarity as I'm walking and writing at the same time. I find it that if I sit down and just try to um, speak what I want to write, it's tough for me. But when I'm walking and I'm not focusing on anything and there's these thoughts come to my head, then I become much more eloquent, I find. And it's just easier for me to dictate those words. So of course there's mistakes and you know whatever, but they tend to be fully formed thoughts that actually, I hate using the word aha moments, but they actually are. So yeah. I very highly recommend if you want to get into writing, mm -hmm. but you're not there yet, walk and talk beautiful that's beautiful and I, I can actually relate to that experience too because um sometimes when when i'm talking on the phone i just want to get up and start walking around and if i follow that instinct some more cool stuff comes out than if i was sitting in the same place right so i really understand there is there is some energy with walking and i think it's important to kind of listen to that instinct and be in our bodies as we're coming up with ideas. So walking, walking is definitely a great way to do that. Thanks for sharing that. I'm going to try that out. Actually, I've never done that before. I've never done a voice to text while I'm walking. So I think it's going to be cool. I'm going to try oh, that. I, I look forward to some very grammarly poor emails. <laughs> I know I won't be emailing you like that. No, <laughs> there's a paper trail. I can't, I can't do okay. that. Deva Smita says, I'm a writer and ghostwriter and an editor. It's like meditation. Either one helps. 
That's beautiful. I just love how we all have our own ways of meditating, you know? I think it's really great to take certain philosophies and then make them your own and then figure out what works for you. A great example of that. All right, guys, if there are no questions or comments or anything that you want to talk about, then I think we can wrap up here, Marta. Cool. Yeah. If, and you, if people have questions, they can always email them to us, contact at coachharga.com. Yeah. Um, Thank you and so much for being. Oh, sorry. sorry, say that again. <laughs> I was speaking of language uh -huh. and questions and whatnots. Yes, you can write or talk to text and just delete it or have it for yourself. But if you do write something and you go, oh, yeah, I do want to share that with the world, I would encourage you to do it. Because I think we all have, we're all very good at judging ourselves. We're all very good at making ourselves feel bad to different degrees. I'm not saying that everyone, you know, is self-deprecating, but we all do it. Okay, let's admit that. And when you find, when you write something down that you truly enjoy and you can get past that, oh, I will publish, it feels really good because all of a sudden you're sharing that part of yourself with at least one other person. So if you, you know, if you're thinking about building your brand as a coach mm. and this, the thing that you write has to do with you as a person or you as a coach, you can publish that on your personal website or you can publish it on LinkedIn Pulse. I highly encourage all of you to use LinkedIn Pulse. That's what they call their um, little article publishing thingy. I don't do it. I should. I always say things like that on webinars because then hopefully I'm going to remember and actually do it. Yeah, fat chance. But you should do it. That or publishing it on, on Medium, medium.com. Mm. The reason I'm mentioning those is because they're both big platforms. And if you truly want to share your writing and you really want to get a discussion going or at least get feedback, that's the places I would put things because they get engagement from people who are in your network and on Medium from the general public as well, because everything is, is public and tagged by um, the specific things that you're writing about. So that's kind of the first place I would do, just test the waters. And you know, the worst that could happen is no one gives you any feedback, right? Like there's not really a bad case scenario as long as you know, you're sharing the things that you found interesting and insightful. And if you feel comfortable, then you can always submit guest blog posts to Coacharia as well. So as I mentioned in the beginning, Neha has taken over the marketing team. And one thing that I'm looking, or many things, but one of the things I'm looking forward to her doing is engaging our community more. Of course, we want to hear from our alumni and current learners, but that's not the only people you want to hear from. So if you're in this webinar and you don't have anything to do with Coachari yet either, don't feel like you don't get to participate. Yes, you do. Please send drafts or ideas to us. Just send them to uh, contact at coachari.com or support at coachari.com and you will get to the right person. We will happily take submissions. Uh, we won't say yes to all of them because they do need to be edited. They need to be, you know, in line with coaching competencies if it's about coaching. So, but we'll give you that feedback, um, but please send them. You know, Neha's background is in writing and in language. So she will be much better at getting those things to the daylight than I have been. So you can blame her now for everything that happens and doesn't happen on the blog. But yeah, 
Pandokan's yeah. coming. Yes, please come forth with your ideas, you know, share your ideas with us and, and you know, maybe, maybe we'll publish it. But even if we don't, you know, I'll read it. I want to read what you say, what you have please, to say. Please, person already. Awesome. Yeah. You have an audience. <laughs> uh, so let's wrap up then. Yeah, please, please write, please share, please post things. I think we're all the richer for it if we all share these ideas. But for those of you who are done, that's okay. Come back next week. We have another webinar every single Wednesday. Next week is another one of Ram's session in the Future of Coaching series. And we'll have a few guests from his current and past cohorts. So you will get to hear hopefully a bit of debate between people who are going to challenge Ram's thinking. Hopefully it's going to be an argument. I'm really, 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 really counting on that. Yes, I like it. Oh, I go that way. <laughs> this is so lovely. Thank you so much, everyone, for, for joining us and for, for listening to me and for connecting with me. Um, I, I had so much fun doing this. It's a new thing for me, but it was a lot of fun to connect with all of you. Uh, and I hope uh, I'll do this again. I hope I'll get to see all of you again soon. Sounds good. And next time, everybody, bring your own BYOC. Bring your own creature. Bring your own cat. <laughs> That's a good one, Mata. <laughs>